Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide, the show that teaches realtors how to create a thriving real estate business. What is up, guys? Happy Friday and welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide. Happy to have you with me. And I hope you enjoyed our first episode of the year last week. That interview is one of my favorites with Jesse Cole talking all sorts of things from how he started the Savannah Bananas the uh, importance of branding, you know, and doing something different and being willing to stand out, you know, and even the question that I come back to all the time about how do you get your spouse to support you? And he made the amazing point of it's not your spouse's job to support you and your business. It's your job to support them. So I love that interview, which is why I shared it with you. And I think branding is so important. And today's episode and interview is very similar. Another one of my favorites and talking about branding, and it is with Larry Roberts, who I mentioned briefly last week. Uh, I hope you guys will take the time today to really listen to this episode, take some good notes. It's really good, you know, a bit about Larry's story, how he got into what he's doing now, the struggles he went through both in his life and business, but also the importance of branding and talk about why branding is important. And I hope you guys really can listen to this and take it to heart. And as we're here in the first few weeks of 2024, I hope you can really think about how are you standing out, right? You know, how can you tap into your own uniqueness? Um, And I love that he says this because this is something realtors don't do well. And I often, as I do my coaching and membership and mastermind, I talk about what's your brand and being unique. And this episode with Larry talks about that. And so I hope you can think about this and set it up here in January for your entire year and for years to come. What are you going to do to stand out? I don't really care what it is. I don't care whether it's, you know, the pizza realtor like uh, Jesse Cole joked about, the red hat, blue hat, whatever realtor you want to be. I want you to think about and find that unique value proposition and something unique to you. And again, I'm not trying to insult you, but I talk to realtors all the time and they say, well, what's different about me? I like serving people. I like looking at houses. I care about relationships. Like, that's all great, but we all say that. I really hope you like relationships and houses or you wouldn't be in this business. And so I hope as you listen to this interview with Larry, you can think about what is that one unique thing, right, that brings you business and that you use in your business to set yourself apart, right? If you want to be successful in real estate, you've got to value relationships. We have tons of relationships, of course, and Larry talked about that, but branding helps so much with this. Um, You know, I originally recorded this interview with Larry uh, sometime before it aired in November of 2021, and it's so wild, but at the time, he was saying that a year ago, so about November of 2020, he was, you know, building his business And, you know, so I think it's crazy that not even four years later, right, three and a half years later, whatever it is, all the things he has done, he literally, when you look up branding, he'll come up, um, you know, and I love how he talked as well about that executive networking thing in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and how he, you know, they, they had to wear suits and all this, and all of a sudden they started to realize, like, we don't care that this is executive coaching or whatever it is. We don't want you to dress like us. We want you to wear the red hat, the hoodie, the jeans. Be fully branded to who you are. And so he talks so much about the power of personal branding, and they started to see it at this executive coaching in the Dallas area. Uh, And so it was his brand, the jeans, the hoodie, the hat, 15 degrees tilted, right? That is his brand. 
and everybody now knows it, but I want you guys to really think about this. Like, what is your unique value proposition? And like, what is your brand? If you're the jeans guy, the hoodie guy, then be that person. And so I really hope you listen to this episode and hopefully you'll take some notes um, and process through what it looks like to, you know, brand better in your real estate business and figure out what's going to set you apart. So I hope this helps you and I hope you can think about what are you really bringing to the table and what makes you unique in your specific real estate business. So hope this helps you guys. And as we, you know, bring you back to an interview from a couple years ago, appreciate you guys for listening and I hope you enjoy it. And I'll talk to you guys again next week. So today I have my friend Larry Roberts here. Larry is huge in the podcasting space. Larry is a high energy and charismatic speaker and podcaster, best-selling author, and has been internationally a top-rated course creator with over 1,500 students in 51 countries. Larry has become one of the most sought-after podcast consultants and content creators in the industry. And he was even recently named to Podcast Magazine's 40 Over 40 in Podcasting. He is also the editor-in-chief of one of the largest podcast industry newsletters, The Podcast Messenger. He regularly participates in industry panels, appearing on other podcasts and speaking at industry events across the country, and he specializes in all things podcast. He's done such a great job of building a brand. He wears the red hat everywhere. He has it on for our show. And so he's done an amazing job building his brand. I first got connected with him. We didn't actually meet in person, but I think we connected in on Facebook after Pod Fest, and then we finally met at Podcast Movement in August in Dallas. And I said, I would love to have you on the show because again, the show's for realtors. He has so much amazing knowledge about starting and stopping things, how he got into podcasting, branding. And so I'm pumped to have him. Larry, thank you so much. Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide. Thanks for having me, man. I got to tell you, if, if I was kicking rocks, if I was in a bad mood, if I was feeling low about myself, all I need to do is come on your show. And man, now I feel great. Well, good. <laughs> I am so glad. I, But seriously, and I, I know I've said this to you, but just for the show, very impressed with everything you're doing, how you're helping people, your entire journey. It's just been amazing. So I kind of gave a brief intro, but tell us more about how you got into podcasting, how you became someone that now helps people launch podcasts and all the cool things you're doing. Yeah, the podcast journey, it's, it's definitely an interesting one. And it's one that I never saw taking me to where I'm at today, even sitting here on your show right now. It's, it, it's really it took me by storm, honestly. You know, I, uh, I went through some struggles back in uh, around 2013 and uh, the struggles, I, I went into rehab for alcohol. So I, uh, I, I had some earlier struggles during the early 2000s that kind of led me to that point. But I, I came out of rehab, actually, it was early 14th when I came out. I went in November 13th. 14th of 2013 and then came out seven weeks later. So there in January, I was, uh, I was reemerging into society and I had no idea how to react. I had no idea what to do. I mean, I was sober. This is crazy. It was a, it was an amazing time and a scary time and a, a little, a, a time that I felt like I was a little lost. And I've always been a creative guy. I always like speaking and, and talking and, and just working with others and communicating. And a friend of mine, he kept hammering me to listen to this, this, this Joe Rogan thing called a podcast. And I'm like, <laughs> I, look, I, I don't have time for podcasts. Podcasts are for nerds. I have to go home and play World of Warcraft. So I don't have time for any of that. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I was a big wow nerd at the time also, but, um, I went ahead and I listened to an episode of Joe Rogan and lo and behold, the episode that I listened to had two comedians on there. It was Tony Hinchcliffe and Joey Diaz. And I don't know if any of your listeners are into the comedy scene, but they're two of the best in the business right now, especially Tony. He's on top of the world, uh, doing his thing. He's got an amazing podcast. That's just crushing it. But hearing them on that show kind of blew me away because I'm a child of the 80s. I was born in 72, grew up in the 80s. And when I in the 80s back, we had some of the legends of comedy back then. Sam Kennison and Dice Clay and George Carlin and all these guys that were a little they they were very uh, edgy, to say the least. Their content, obviously, very blue could be offensive in certain circles, probably most circles, especially today. But at the same time, hearing their their jokes and the comedy that they were bringing to the forefront just blew me away. And in corporate America, I kind of had a reputation for maybe not watching my mouth a little bit as much as I should have. So to hear the fact that these guys had the freedom to make these types of jokes and use the colorful language that they were using at the time, I saw that as an opportunity to do the same thing that I'm, I am I typically do with my friends and not get in trouble. So I'm like, <laughs> I am so totally in on this podcast thing. So I ran out. I, I bought the absolute worst microphone that you could buy for a podcast, and that is a Yeti Snowball. So if anybody's starting a podcast, don't use a Yeti Snowball. But it's literally <laughs> what you would think if you envision a snowball. It's a white, round microphone. And I had no idea what whether it's a condenser or a dynamic or any of I had no idea about sound or anything then. So I bought this microphone and I had me a co-host who was a local open mic comedian. And we got together and we're starting a comedy podcast. We would hold that Yeti snowball in our hands. We would cup it ever so gently in both hands. And <laughs> I would say my lines and then I'd turn to Jamie and I would ever so gently pass the mic so as not to make any bump noises or or have any kind of you know weird sounds going on. And he'd say his lines and he'd pass. And we did this back and forth and back and forth for the first episode of our very first podcast. And John, I got to tell you, it was so bad because we were also being very free with our language. We're like, wow, this is a free platform. We cannot get in trouble. Right, right. We listened back and we were embarrassed, <laughs> not just at the bad audio quality, but the content. We There was no way because we were we were trying way too hard to be edgy, you know, and, mm -hmm. and gritty. And it was just, it was horrible. It was horrible. So we took notes, we went back and we, we started with episode two and that was the very first episode. Episode two was actually the first episode of our podcast. So, uh, we did that show for a couple of years, uh, got it up to around 200 ish episodes. Not only that, we took it to a live stage show. And even today, as we speak, the show, although I had to kill the show because of corporate America, some of the content got back to we actually the company that I worked for, although they stayed with me through all of my alcoholism, supported me through rehab and were there mm -hmm. for me before and after the fact. I, and I can always look back on that with the utmost gratitude because I would have made it without their help. Mm -hmm. Um they still weren't too keen on this content. So <laughs> while they didn't tell me to kill the show, they made it very, very clear that uh, I was doing myself a disservice and doing the company a disservice by producing the show. So I ended up killing that show. But again, before we did that, we took it to a live stage show at a club here in Dallas. And to this day, that show that was a live stage show, it turned into an open mic for comedians. And even today, every Monday night, it's still the largest open mic for comedians in Dallas, Fort Worth, 
outside of a comedy club. So even though I had to kill the show, even though the show's dead, it lives on somewhat uh, with this open mic that's that's here in, in Dallas. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Comedy's always held a place in my heart. And mm-hmm. although I, I would never call myself a comedian, just having a hand in the creation of something that is helping develop talent and build future comedians, I think that's, uh, that's something that I, I hold dearly. Uh, and not to mention the fact that Jamie Gravitt, who was my co-host, he went on to open for the last two years at the Sahara in Vegas uh, for Eddie Griffin, who is a you know a top tier yeah. comedian that's out there. So uh, it all started with the podcast, and Jamie's still out there crushing it. He's traveling the country, and he's got that residency there at the Sahara as well. And that just shows you the power of a podcast. Yeah, I mean, it, it put me here with you and put me on stages across the country talking about podcasting, but it launched Jamie's comedy career. I mean, that's that's powerful. That is a powerful resource, a powerful tool. And I mean, that's that's kind of how it all got started was there with that first comedy podcast. And of course, I had to evolve. I had to change. Killing the show left me without a show. So I had to start something. And I wanted to this time to do something clean, something that wouldn't get me in trouble at the office, because even <laughs> right. though, you know, you, you have freedom of speech, but you don't necessarily have freedom of consequences. And I learned that lesson when it comes to podcasting as well. So, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from that entire experience is that, yeah, you can go out there, you can say whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, you've got that freedom, but that doesn't necessarily shield you from repercussions or uh, answering for your actions or your words or your statements. So that, that was a very, very valuable lesson. Um, from that point, I started another podcast. Again, still not really understanding the industry. I started a show called Readily Random. And that's exactly what it was, was readily random. But from a podcasting perspective, that's probably the worst name you could possibly come up with because it doesn't tell a potential listener anything about the show. That's right. Why would they listen to that? It's just some random podcast. I don't care nothing about that. And, you know, you would think if I, if I was a little bit smarter, the name came from a blog I had back in the MySpace days. And again, I didn't know what to call a show. I just knew I wanted a podcast and I wanted to talk to people. Even though no one read that blog by that name, I thought, well, maybe somebody listened to the podcast by that name. They didn't. So, <laughs> so it was it was a rough lesson. But eventually, but just through persistence, I, I wasn't going to kill the show. I wasn't going to change the name at the time. I just kept on keeping on, man. And uh, through persistence and through just reaching out to people, the show evolved over time and it became an entrepreneur podcast. And man, some of the relationships and the connections that I made, Mm -hmm. just having the show, forget the name of the show. Sure, the name really hindered me from growing a massive audience. But at the same time, it allowed me to do so much more. It allowed me to have a reason to talk to people that I normally would never have the opportunity to talk to. I mean, I talked to high profile business owners, entrepreneurs, people successful in all walks of life, whether it be, here's a little insight to Lair. I love origami, the Japanese folding paper. Okay. Not a lot of people know that, but the podcast allowed me to connect with the premier, the numero uno top origami artist in America. He's an MIT professor of mathematics. And I brought him on the show. Did anybody listen? I don't know. Maybe 20 people listened to the episode, but guess what? I got a kick out of it because I'm talking to the cat daddy of all paper folding in the whole wide world. (laughs) He's on my show and I never would have had the chance to talk to him or learn from him in that regard if I hadn't had the podcast. And Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a lesson there in that people, 
when they come to me wanting to start shows, they automatically think they're going to be the next Joe Rogan and yeah. newsflash. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. No one else is going to be Joe Rogan. The industry shifted. And, and let's just be honest. Joe Rogan brings a lot to the table, not just with mm -hmm. his podcast, but in his history. And I mean, to put it in perspective, the man sells out stadiums. Yeah. stadiums football stadiums he sells out stadiums yeah so to think that you're going to start a show from your spare bedroom and reach that level overnight it's just not going to happen but the power of a podcast lies in the fact that it's going to open opportunities for you to create relationships on an entirely different level with people that you never would have the chance to have relationships with that's where the power of a podcast lies especially in today's creator economy that's so good, man. And I love that. I think so much about this in real estate and what I'm doing. Like I've interviewed people that are like people that I really look up to. And so I would have never been in touch with them had it not been through the show, even if I reached out. And I love how you say it, you know, opens you up to opportunities and creates relationships. I mean, in sales and in real estate, that's what it's all about. And so whether it's a podcast about I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, a podcast about here's the best things, the best restaurants to try in Lancaster or my show for realtors. You know, I connect with people. Someone interviewed la me last week and they're in London. I think that's super cool that I'm yeah. in Pennsylvania and someone in London wants to talk to me. Those things wouldn't have happened without a podcast. So I love what you're doing and how you're teaching people. Let's talk a little bit about the branding, right? I see the red yeah. hat. And anybody who and I'm I know it happens because I did it to you at podcast movement. I knew there's Larry because there's the red hat. So branding is huge for realtors listening to this show. What have you learned through? I mean, and you you do great content through the videos you post on Facebook. It's almost always is about building your brand. Why is branding so important for entrepreneurs and why do so many entrepreneurs, realtors, whatever fail at it? You know, I, I think, and I don't know a whole lot about the real estate space, so I, I'm, I'm not really the guy to talk to realtors about how they market themselves, but as far as branding goes overall, Absolutely. I think the, the, the problem that so many people fall into is they don't tap into their uniqueness and then leverage it. You know, the hat, the red hat, and, and, and you know, you, you kind of pointed it out there. I can't walk through a podcast conference without hearing, hey, it's red hat guy. I hear red hat guy. They may not know my name. But they know I'm a podcast consultant. They know I'm a podcast coach. They know if they have podcast question, questions, they find the guy with the red hat. And there's a pretty good chance that I can either answer that question or I'm going to have a resource that will allow you to find the answer to that particular question. Not saying I have all the answers by any stretch of the imagination, mm -hmm. but going back to relationships, I do have a ton of relationships in this space, and that's very powerful for the red hat as well. So that's a key component. It allows you to establish those relationships, and you're going to hear that as a theme throughout everything that I say, because we're all successful because of our relationships. We can't do anything on our own. I know as realtors, we have networking events, we have mm -hmm. networking conferences, and we have all these opportunities to network and build relationships and establish relationships. It's no different in the podcasting game. And with my personal branding, with the red hat, it kind of came as an accident. Not even kind of, let's just be honest. It just came as an accident because I've always worn hats. I'm a hat guy. Uh, it's just my thing. And I've always loved the flat bill hat. I don't know why. Maybe I think I'm Kid Rock or Limp Biscuit. I don't know. But I always <laughs> like the flat bill hat. Who knows? So what I had done, and this was just, we're coming up on about a year ago. That's how new the Red Hat branding is. But it also reinforces so the power of yeah. the Red Hat branding because we're not even a year into me being the Red Hat guy. 
and it's synonymous with me in podcasting. That's how strong it is. But what I had done was I was speaking at a small conference last November, and I just recently turned 50. So the podcast game and the creator economy typically geared towards a younger generation. But I've started trying to adjusting my messaging as well to let other people know that, hey, if you're in your 40s or 50s or 60s, it's not too late. Look at what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So it, it works. But my goal was to be able to connect with uh, the younger people in the audience at this conference that I was at. So I had gone out and I had spent a ridiculous amount of money for a ball cap. And I bought a red, it just happened to be red, Supreme ball cap. Mm -hmm. Supreme is a brand that all those wacky kids were wearing at the time. And <laughs> I wanted to be cool. So I paid well over $100 for this Supreme branded hat. And I wore it up on stage. I did my presentation. It was great. Everything was peachy. But a good friend of mine, Alex Sanfilippo, he pulled me to the side afterwards. And we were giving each other grief because he'd given his presentation and I was making fun of him. And he was, you know, just doing, just, just giving each other a hard time, but having fun doing it. Mm -hmm. And he goes, but hey, I got a serious question for you, bro. I go, what's that? He goes, why are you giving Supreme all that love? Yeah. He goes, are they sponsoring you? I said, bro, they're not sponsoring a 49-year-old dude. No, they're not sponsoring me. <laughs> he goes, then, then why are you giving them the love? Because people are listening to you, they're engaging with you, but they're seeing that Supreme brand on your head. You want your brand out there. He goes, why don't you just go buy a red hat and lose the Supreme logo? That way it's just you. And so listening to that, I was like, man, that, that makes all the sense in the world. I went right home after that conference, jumped on Amazon. I took that hundred plus dollar Supreme hat, tossed it to the side, jumped on Amazon, bought a $6 unbranded red flat bill ball cap and put it on and from that day forward Sorry. things changed it was insane yeah. now i sleep in the red hat my wife's like would you please take it off in the shower <laughs> just come on no but honestly i'm in the red hat all the time uh it's given me speaking opportunities believe it or not mm -hmm. uh, i went to bitcoin miami back i think it was april back in april Thirty-five thousand people were in attendance and i was there for three days and over that three days i had multiple people that came up to me because they recognized the red hat. And that was only five months into wearing the thing. It's such a natural extension of who I am. The color is irrelevant. Honestly, if you were to ask me my favorite color, it's really blue. So, I mean, I'm kind of disappointed that it's the red hat. You can't switch <laughs> but, now. You can't switch no, now. No, it's too late. Yeah. I can't switch now. It's over. So I just have to roll with the red. It, but, man, it's it's just so impactful. People remember it. Uh, I'm also a, a rather large guy. I'm about six two, six three these days. I may have shrunk an inch or so, and, and I'm, I'm tipping the scales at about two forty right now. So I'm a big guy. I'm a tall guy. I'm a loud guy. So I stand out in a crowd already. But you put this red beacon on my dome, and I stand out even more so. Again, I'm telling you, it's 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 that type of branding, and because it's such just a, a natural extension of who I am, because I've always worn red hats. I've always worn my hat slightly tilted to the right, about 15 degrees off center. It's just how I roll. So it was just such a natural progression for this to be a moniker of me and my message. And I think if others could tap into that uniqueness and leverage that to be their moniker, to be their brand, to be their beacon, that they'd find a lot more success with it. It's It's gotten to be so much so that I'm even changing the name of my company. Right now, I'm going through a full rebrand. You know, I, I mentioned readily random was the podcast that I started. Well, me being in all my wisdom at the time, I also started a company called readily random media. 
And it's been readily random media since that day. It's still readily random media to this day. But I never tell anybody that. I always say Podcast Boost because Podcast Boost is my brand. That's the service that I offer. And people can remember Podcast Boost. They can't remember readily random media. But I'm about to remedy that because guess what they can remember? They can remember Red Hat Media. They can remember Red Hat guy they can remember that the red hat has all the answers to your podcast questions and your branding questions and your yeah. content questions so it's been so impactful just over again it's, it hasn't even been a year yet that that's what i would recommend more than anything for people another real quick example i know i talk a lot but i'm a podcaster so that's what i get paid to do oh, this is good but, <laughs> but i belong to an executive networking and i want to stress the word executive executive networking organization here in North Dallas. It's called Success North Dallas. And I say executive and I stress executive because in order to go to these meetings every month, it's a room filled. It's a 33-year-old organization, been around for a very, very long time. Got some of the most prominent business executives in all of the Dallas Metroplex in this networking organization. And to go to the event or to go to the meetings every month, you have to show up dressed like an executive. You have to have the nice power shirt. You got to have the jacket. You're supposed to have the slacks. Uh, I've already pushed the rules a little bit because I only wear jeans, but they still let me show up. But my point in all this is, is that just this last week, I've gotten heavily involved in their young executive program. So they, they've got these young executives, 24 to 29 years old, out of college in their first big, big role. I've become a mentor to one of those. I joined their program. And that's one of the ways that I give back to the community is being a mentor to these young executives. But just last week, they announced that going forward, they don't want me going to the executive, the primary executive meetings in my jacket and my power shirt. They want me coming to the executive meetings in the red hat and in the hoodie and in the jeans, fully branded as to who I am. Because they once they got beyond the fact that I'm wearing this red hat and a hoodie, they realized the power of branding and the power yeah. of the messaging that I'm delivering. And they want that for their members. So that was a massive testament. And it just happened last week, last Tuesday. This was brought to my attention. They told me that. And man, I was blown away. So if that doesn't convince you of the power of personal branding and the power of understanding and knowing your message and being able to deliver it in a clear and concise manner, I don't know what is. What I love about that is that I don't know if you remember this in person when we met, like you did an amazing session to, you know, help people with their podcast. And afterwards we were chatting a little bit and I was like, man, I was disappointed when I saw those pictures on Facebook of that event and you weren't in the red hat and you're like, oh, it's like this thing. And so now it's hilarious because now you will be there in the red yeah. hat. Yeah. And I think. You know, I think it's also a message, right? This is me, right? A polo shirt and shorts. This is about as nice as I dress. And I think for any entrepreneur or realtors out there listening to the show, if, if that's you, fine. So I think the message here is like, be you, right? Like, like you're talking about, be unique. Like, don't try to be someone else. I don't go out and be like, oh, well, I'm going to put on a suit because I have to be this person. I even remember, man, I got a, I got a listing over the summer and it was a $1.325 million home. So man, that's a $33,000 commission before splits and everything else. And I remember thinking to myself, I have to like rent a BMW to drive there. I, I drive like a beat up Chevy cruise. And then I didn't, I mean, I wore a little bit nicer stuff, but I wore what I would normally wear, drove my beat up car and they hired me anyway. And they never said, 
Why are you in a beat up Chevy car? They basically said, can you produce the results? Right. They did not care what I wore, what I drove. And afterwards they were thrilled. And I remember and they they had two realtors that lived in their neighborhood and they hired me an hour away. And I was like, why did you hire me? Like, I didn't tell them I'm like, I was not worthy of this listing. But they're like, we trusted the recommendation and knew you would do a good job. And so it wasn't what I wear. I think I rolled up in like a shirt like this, right? With yeah. maybe with nice pants. We get so caught in our heads that we have to, oh, I have to be Larry. I have to be Alex. I have to be whoever. No, be your unique brand and your unique self. And now I, and I, I, I kind of went on that tangent, but it's so cool to see even at the executive meetings thing that you're going now, they're like, no, don't be like us. We want to learn from you and what we're do, what we could be doing better from you. That's that's just amazing. Yeah, I was I was blown away and, and, and obviously honored at, at the opportunity. So it, 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 again, it just goes back to what you were saying, it kind of demonstrates the fact that if we tap into our uniqueness and, you know, from a podcasting perspective, and I assume from a real estate perspective as well, you know, I, I call it a unique listening proposition for my clients. What is your unique listening proposition? Why would people listen to your show? What are you bringing to the show that no one else is bringing? What value are they going to get from listening to your show that they're not going to get on any other show? So from a realtor, I have to assume that that rings true as well. What are you going to bring as an agent that yeah. nobody else is going to bring? You know, and I wish I had known this when I, I came right out of high school. I don't have a degree. I, I went, I've got six hours of college and three of those hours is speech. The other three hours goes to and here I'm dating myself because I believe it's a dead language Pascal programming. I learned how to write hello world using a language called Pascal. That's my six credit hours in college. That's it, bro. So yeah. I came right out of high school and I went into selling cars and selling cars in the nineties was amazing because mm -hmm. well, for, for, for people that were selling for the salespeople, it was amazing for the people buying not quite as amazing because they weren't getting the best deals in the world, but the commission was amazing and I was loving life, but I wish I had understood these principles back then because who knows, I may have stayed in the car business, but yeah. It's understanding that you have to set yourself apart. You know, if you think of at least if I think of a realtor, I instantly think of a billboard or a, a park bench or the side of a bus with somebody's very photoshopped image on the side of it. And it's got their contact information. That's what I think of when I think of a realtor. I don't mean to insult anyone. That's I have in my mind of being a realtor. Yeah. So in from that perspective, what could you do different? What could you do different on a billboard? What could you do different yeah. on any kind of advertising? What could you do different to set yourself apart? You know, as, as yeah. a podcast consultant, a large number of my clients are real estate investors. They're not typical agents, but mm -hmm. they're investors in, in, in large multifamily properties, that sort of thing. But I could definitely see where, you know, having a podcast or having a YouTube channel or yep. using something, doing short form content on TikTok or short form content on Instagram Reels, something in that neighborhood. I can see where that could set you apart as a realtor and bring yeah. forward your uniqueness and, and, and get people to trust in you and believe in you by being real, by being your unique and authentic self. It's so true, man. And in my county here in Lancaster, PA, there are 1,500 realtors, mm -hmm. right? So I have to think, what am I bringing to the table that makes me unique? Why would a client want to work with me? Why would now with the podcast and coaching realtors, I talk to them and say, what do you bring to the table? Oh, I'm nice. And I like to create relationships. Yeah, cool. No, no, no. What do you bring? What do you bring to the table? 
be that person like being nice is great answering your phone is great right 90 percent of people don't even do that but what are you bringing to the table i love it man so tell us you had a podcast you're the boss great show and mm-hmm. you you know you told me before we started recording that you stopped it and you've kind of resumed it a little bit but you said there's a lesson there about why you stopped and i'd love for you to kind of share that with the audience well, I appreciate you calling me on the carpet like that. Uh, thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> what a but bomb. No, seriously, you know, I did. And and you were there at Podcast Movement when uh, I, I presented on leveraging a workflow to streamline your process, your podcasting process. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think we tend to do that in, in everything we do, regardless of our profession. We want to put systems and workflows in place to streamline everything that we're doing to make ourselves as effective and efficient as possible. And one of the things that I had done there as far as my show goes, because I've been traveling a lot, I've been speaking a lot, I've been all over the place this year, especially, uh, and I needed to reduce the overall time investment that I was putting in the show. And one of the things that I was doing there was I was relying on booking agents to bring me guests. Now, they're great. I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about the particular company that was bringing me guests because they did their due diligence. They presented me with potential guests and I still had the opportunity to go through, okay, I'll look at this one's bio, I'll look at this one, this one, okay, I'll take that one, I'll take that one, I'll take that one. But I wasn't putting a whole lot of time. I mean, I was just looking at a summary of the guest and going, okay, yeah, that'll do, that'll do, that'll do, that'll do, let's go. And what was happening was, is that these folks would come on my show, they would do the show and then they would go. There was no follow-up after the show. There was no relationship building. There was no mutual value between the two of us. My show was essentially becoming a infomercial for the, these particular guests. And in all fairness, that's typically why they hire a booking agency. They just want to they want to go on as many podcasts as possible. And I understand that. However, from my perspective, that's not why I podcast. That's not why I got into podcasting, and that's not the value that, for me personally, I get out of podcasting. I've mentioned building relationships many, many times during this discussion, and that's always been at the root of the podcast, was having a great time and providing value for my guests and value for my listeners and you know, maybe getting a little reward out of it by getting to know someone and having that relationship and building my, my connection database. And that just wasn't happening. They were coming on. They were disappearing. So in realizing that, I started getting burnt out. I'm like, well, why am I even doing this? There's no purpose to this uh, other than, you know, a podcast and the podcasting space is kind of your ticket to the dance. It's Mm kind of hard to be a podcasting consultant when you don't have a podcast. So, (laughs) but looking back on You're the Boss, I love the show. I, I think it it has the opportunity and the potential to bring tremendous value to entrepreneurs and, and business folks from all walks of life, regardless of what you're doing. Uh, we all have similar goals. We all want to build a business. We all want to make a little bit of money as well. And we all want to leave a legacy for, for the effort that we put in and for our family and those that are following in our footsteps. So I believe the show still has the opportunity to provide that. So in doing that, I, I haven't published uh, since April of this year. But just, I think it was last week or week before last, I recorded my first comeback episode. And in doing that, I did my due diligence. I did my homework. I found potential guests for the show. And I reached out in a way that opened with, hey, I love what you're doing. Love what you're bringing to the table. Would love to look at it a little bit further and dive into it on my podcast. Would you be interested in being a guest on the show? and starting that dialogue. But I have much more of a personal approach once again to the show. And that's the lesson that I learned. 
if you're wanting to build something, if you're wanting something to grow, if you're wanting to truly live a, leave a legacy and make an impact with what you're doing, you have to be involved on all fronts. Yeah. And there's really no shortcut. And Dude, I tried shortcutting it and it bit me in the backside. That is so good because I feel like in, in real estate, right? Even as my business has grown, it's like you have these connections at the beginning and you're like, oh, well, now I'm I'm getting busier. I forget about those connections. And so a big lesson I try to remind myself and realtors that I teach is like, don't forget what got you there. Right. Mm -hmm. Whatever you did to start that made you successful and that people appreciate it. And that when people wrote you reviews, I love that John did this. Keep doing that stuff, even when you get busy. And so maybe there has to be things that have to go. And, you know, maybe what has to go is you watch an ESPN for five hours a day or whatever. Like and I'm sort of being funny, but I think that's a huge lesson that build relationships. And I love that I wrote down how you did your homework. Right. You're getting a lot more out of it. Your audience is getting a lot more out of it by you kind of you're not just showing up at the class and sitting there for 50 minutes. You're doing your homework before you get there. And so that's yeah. a really cool lesson. Yeah. Your story is so great. I know that you shared it. I know you're willing to share. You kind of shared from the podcast stage. Um, one of the things I love to ask my guest is take me to a time in your life when you went through a really tough situation. You've even shared here on this episode, getting out of rehab. So maybe that's the tough situation, but I'd whatever it is, I'd love to hear. Yeah. Take, take me to a point in your life. Yeah. What would be a piece of advice that I would like to, and tell me about it. And what would be a piece of advice you would give that version of yourself? Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I started going down that, that negative path, that alcoholic path, because I was confronted with something in my life that had been a lifelong goal. It was everything to me. And I realized that I wasn't going to be able to accomplish that goal. And this sounds super cheesy, but I've always been a martial artist. Okay. I've got black belts in multiple styles, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, I've had a karate school. That was one of my first businesses when I opened a karate school. But my goal back in the nineties was I wanted to fight in the ultimate fighting championship. That was my goal. I had teammates that had made it to the big show and I wanted to be there too. And uh, I was preparing for a big fight, big regional fight. I'd done well on the on the local and the in the state level, and now I'm I'm branching out. And this was a a smaller show, but it was a bit of a feeder show back then for the big show. And uh, I had the opportunity the day before the fight to go down to a gym in Houston, which was run by uh, Saul Solis. And Saul just passed away, but he was a, a, an amazing coach. Uh, he coached Tito Ortiz and Rico Rodriguez and all the champs of that era. Saul was was the coach back then. And uh, I had gone down to his gym and it was just final preparations. Again, we're fighting. I think it was the next day or the day after. And I was rolling or doing jujitsu wrestling with uh, a UFC fighter at the time, Eve Edwards. And he was the uncrowned lightweight champ because back then they didn't have the lightweight division yet. But the, he was still considered the best at, at, at that weight. And we were wrestling. We hadn't been going for very long. And I remember Saul walked by and he looked at me and he goes, hey, bro, your cardio is a bit suspect. And that doesn't sound like much. That didn't sound like much at all. But that sentence changed my life. And the reason it changed my life is because I knew that I was at my peak physical condition. I knew I trained with the best of the best. I had, tr I had coaches for everything from strength and conditioning to cardio to everything in between. And I knew I was ready to rock. And I knew I could never be any better than that. Well, what Saul didn't know and why that comment was so impactful was because I was born with a birth defect. Mm -hmm. I was born with an in inverted sternum. 
So my sternum was growing inwards towards my spine while all my organs and everything were growing out normally. And I had to have reconstructive surgery at the age of four to even survive. So I would have died at, at, by four to five years old had I not had this surgery. But one of the things that happened there was that it also caused my lungs to be deformed in their development. And I only have 60% of the normal person's lung capacity. So when Saul walked by and said, your cardio is a bit suspect, bro, I knew in my mind it couldn't be any better. I knew in my mind that at that moment, now I wasn't just competing against local karate guys or local wannabe fighters. I'm competing against athletes that are also highly skilled. And no matter what I do, I can never get to that level. Mm. And that was extremely devastating. One of the most devastating days of my life, honestly, because it, it changed everything about me. It changed every trajectory I had in my life. And at that point, I was just lost. I didn't really know what to do. Um, I slowly started fading away from, from the game. I was still coaching and I was still cornering fighters. And I don't tell many people this, but I've started sharing it on podcasts. I didn't even fight the next day. I got mm. sick. Mm. I pulled out of the fight, but for years, I lied about it. I went back home and told everybody that I won in the first round by knockout because I was too ashamed. I was ashamed of the fact that I could never get to that level. I was ashamed that this fighter mentality, this fighter persona, that's, that's, I've, I mean, I sacrificed, I, 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 got, I got divorced for partially because I spent so much time at the gym. I lived at the gym. That was everything to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I couldn't bear the thought of telling people that I'll never be that ultimate fighting championship fighter. I never had to lose the grandeur to be the champ. I just wanted to be at the big, in the big show. That was, that was my goal. So uh, without that persona, without that identity, I was completely lost. And that's what led me down the path of starting to party and starting to drink. And I may have experimented with some other things that were on a little little worse level, but never got addicted to any of that, thankfully. But I did get addicted to the parties and, and the alcohol. So that time in my life was very traumatic. And if I look back, I go, man, I wish I had just been a little more resilient and been able to overcome, granted, it was the, the most adversity that a young Larry had, had really faced at the time. I mean, I have definitely had my share of adversity, probably more than most. Mm-hmm. But other, other than having surgery, life-changing and life-saving surgery at four, which I don't really remember too much of, that was one of the most impactful times of my life. And I wish I had known at the time to be, and I should have, that's why I look back sometimes with so much regret is I should have been more resilient. I should have been stronger, more mentally to accept that I should have been able to transition to an alternate identity, maybe in the same space. Okay. So maybe I wasn't going to fulfill my dream and, and be on the big show, but there was still plenty more that Larry had to offer. And it's just devastating to think that I had to go through 13 years of BS in order to make that realization and make that call that day that I called my best friend and said, Hey bro, I'm about to die. I need help. Yeah. So that would be that tough moment. And I know, I know we all have them at some point in our lives. Some of us have probably already experienced them and maybe somebody listening right now reacted a whole lot better than I did. Mm -hmm. But the big lesson there is, is that just because you're not going to fulfill one aspect of your life, there's still tons of potential. Don't hang all of your hopes and dreams on one hat rack. There's so many different opportunities out there. And, and, and if you, yeah. you do struggle, you do get hit with that. Don't try to hide from the shame, meet it head on and move on. Yeah, dude, that's so good. And I, I mean, I know that's personal, but thank you so much for like being willing to share. I think so many of us need to hear like, because I think now 
I look at you and I'm like, I'm so impressed by what you're doing. So like, thank God you're here. Right. Helping people. Right. And, and have kind of shifted like, right. It didn't work out. The dream didn't work out, but like now you've kind of shifted and helped people. I'm so impressed. And and that's really cool. And I think it's so good for people to realize my dream was to own a Chick-fil-A one day, man. And it just did not work out. Right. And so I shifted, <laughs> gotten, couldn't keep W2 jobs. And that's a whole nother story that many of my audience has heard. Finally got found my niche in real estate with relationships and sales. And so thank you so much for realtors out there who give us give us a quick like for realtors out there that feel like I'm stressed, I'm struggling. Give us like maybe one or two quick pieces of advice. Maybe it's about branding. Maybe it's. Yeah. What would you tell people that feel like they just like can't can't make it? Find somebody. And this is something that was said to me when I first started selling cars. If you want to be successful selling cars, and I'm just using that because selling real estate, it's still selling. If you want to be successful, honestly, in any aspect of life, find somebody to plug your umbilical cord into. Find somebody that can inspire you, can lift you up. I think maybe Zig Ziglar said that first. I don't want to say it was Zig, but I, I know Gary Dunlap was my sales manager and my sales trainer back in the day. And Gary Dunlap said that to me. So that resonated with me all these years. I mean, I started selling cars when I think I was 19, maybe 20 at the oldest. And here I am 30 years later, and it still resonates with me. Find somebody, find a mentor, find someone to help guide you down that path. Find somebody to help you find the answers to the questions that you have so that you can recenter yourself and refocus and stay on that path to achieve your personal and professional goals. Man, that. That's so good. And I think so many times we get caught up thinking like, oh, no, it's bad to ask questions. No, like we all like have areas of weakness where we need to learn. And so find somebody and be bold enough, right, to tell them, hey, I need help. Like you calling your friend, you know, or a realtor saying, hey, I I need some help. I I don't know what I'm doing. I this client's hard to deal with, whatever it is. So really good stuff. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, man. Uh, Happy to help. Dude, this has been awesome. I appreciate your time so much. I know people are really going to be inspired by your story. I know you help podcasters as they think about, you know, building a show. So as we kind of close out our time together, tell us where people can find you and connect with you and what you're kind of working on next. Yeah, man. Uh, Right now I'm pushing everybody towards my Instagram. So the Larry Roberts on Instagram is a great place to follow, connect, and even reach out to me. I'm always watching my DMs and I will reply back. I promise you that much. So if you want some content creation, branding, podcasting tips, head over there, check out my content there. You can also find me at podcastboost.com. That's my website. Head over there, see what I bring to the table for you. Maybe we can work together sometime. I appreciate it so much, man. Thank you for, I think your story is inspiring and, you know, just, just the branding piece, man. Even I, I didn't even know until today that the red hat has only been around for like just a year. It feels like, like, I mean, I've only known of you that long, but it it's, it felt like it's, I'm like, oh, he's been doing this for years and years. So I think it just shows people the power of what you can do by willing to like step out of your comfort zone and be like, you know, Alex probably gave you great advice. Why are you wearing that Supreme hat? Get a yeah. plain one. And then boom, you just went with it. So appreciate- I mean, John, I have my own bobblehead. I mean, look, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you share the video, but look, I mean, I even got my own bobblehead with what? The red, red hat. hat. I mean, it's, it's the real deal here, folks. So uh, it's, it's in everything that I do. The red hat just will not take a break. (laughs) I love it, man, dude. Thank you so much. Uh, Congratulations on all the cool things you're doing. And um, thank you so much for just being willing to sit down and spend some time with us today. I know my audience is really going to appreciate it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Been a lot of fun. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Survival Guide. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others discover the show. Thank you so much, and we will see you on the next episode.